You know, when we say hallelujah, sometimes I think we think it's like a Christian cliche thing, like you've got nothing else to say. But you guys realize, I, I hope you do, uh, hallelujah is a combination of Hebrew words. It's praise unto God. That's what we're saying. Praise the Lord. Praise God. So let's practice that. Ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. There we go. And Leah, yeah, uh, those of you that may want to come up to Wall uh, on Thursday nights, it's, it's really more than a connect group. It's an open Bible study. And we're having a great time up there. We're studying the Word of God. Amen. Yeah. So those of you that want to come, uh, our campus up there is located at 1615 Glendola Road. It's right off of Belmar Boulevard. Very easy to get to. Just get off at exit 98. and Well, just type it into your phone and it'll take you there. Amen. And uh, tomorrow morning, Pastor Rick uh, will be preaching the word there at 10 o'clock. Our Sunday service at 10 o'clock at Wall Township. Please, if you have friends in that area, encourage them to go. Go check it out. Amen. Praise God. Well, we're starting a new series this weekend, and uh, I've been wanting to teach this for a while. And it's like I got this back load in my, in my head of like, you know, I want to teach this, I want to teach this, I want to teach this, I want to teach this. And so I try to schedule them out um, when I believe the Holy Spirit kind of moves in that direction. So um, I want to start out this weekend, part one of this series, giving you an introduction. I'm going to introduce this series. I'm going to spend some time talking about the importance of it. And then we'll start covering some of it this weekend, and the rest of it will continue over the next couple of weeks. Amen? Amen. I want you to, to consider this. I want you to grab a hold of this. Ten days after Jesus ascended into heaven, he fulfilled the promise that he had made to his disciples, an extremely important promise. Acts chapter 1, the book of Acts chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And actually, it would be 10 days later. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Amen? Amen. Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit came from heaven. This is the promise he was talking about. The Holy Spirit came from heaven, baptized, we could say immersed, 120 disciples in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And as a result of this experience, which Jesus said every believer should receive, Peter stepped up and preached one of his most powerful and important sermons of his life. And we have that recorded for us in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 40. We're just going to cover the end of this, okay? You can read the whole chapter, second chapter of Acts. I hope that you would, because it's a powerful, powerful beginning of the church. Verse 40, Acts chapter 2. And with many other words, he testified, talking about Peter, and exhorted them, in other words, encouraged them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Man, that's a message for today, huh? Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. 
3,000 people in one day got added to the church. Now, verse 42 is kind of our launching pad, our launching board for this series. And they continued steadfastly, in other words, continuously, consistently, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. So in effect, the Holy Spirit is telling us, because the book of Acts is the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the disciples, the Holy Spirit is telling us that the four most important components of Christian life after receiving salvation and the Holy Spirit baptism is doctrine, teaching, fellowship, sharing life together, communion, remembering all that Jesus endured for us, and then prayer, which is communication with God. We're going to focus in on that first component, teaching. You notice that that's number one. Why is this important? Because every one of us is called to tell someone about Jesus, but you cannot pass on what you're not sure of yourself. Thank you for that little bit of a murmur, that grunt. You and I can't tell somebody something that we're not familiar with ourselves. Amen? And so this is extremely important. Now, grab a hold of what I'm about to say to you, the statement I'm going to make. You, whether you're watching online, whether you're here in this room present, you are an important part of what God is doing in the earth right now. Turn to somebody and say, right now. You are part of the new season of Christianity. The movement that gets to prepare society for the coming of Jesus Christ. That's who you are. Shake off any other notions. Shake off any other ideas. Shake off any other goals or dreams. What you and I are called to right now in this season is to get our society, our community, our, as many as possible, get them ready for the coming of the Lord. Amen. More people will come to Christ from this point forward than have ever come in the history of mankind. Now, here's what's dangerous about when God launches a new season. Sometimes, throughout history, we've called it new seasons. We've called it revival. We've called it a new movement. There's only one problem. Man has to cooperate with God. Now, what's happened in the past with new movements, with new seasons, is we experience the excitement of it. We experience the emotion of it. But if there's no teaching to ground that movement, that season, the direction that God is going in, it only goes so far and then all the air is let out and that's the end of it for instance let me give you a very very short history lesson okay I believe it's, it's extremely important for us to know our heritage I believe it's extremely important to know our roots amen because you can only go so far if you don't know who you are you can only go so far in the future if you don't know whose shoulders we are standing on Okay, back in 1906, it was a revival in Southern California, in Los Angeles, Azusa Street. Okay, that launched the Pentecostal spirit-filled movement that has swept across the earth this last hundred plus years. Okay, but in the beginning, there was little teaching, a lot of experience, a lot of emotion, a lot happening, 
eyes growing out where there were no eyes, limbs growing where there were no limbs, people just being slain in the spirit for days, just out and, and just out in the spirit, coming back and having visitations of the Lord Jesus Christ and literally seeing heaven, coming back to see, to tell what heaven was like. Phenomenal miracles were taking place. A lot was being experienced, but because there was no teaching to ground the people, in a couple of decades, it died out. And then came, I can get really in detail, in the 40s and 50s came a very, very strong, powerful healing revival healing revival. I uh, had the, the privilege to, to sit under the teaching of a gentleman who was very, very powerfully used during that time period. And Brother Hagin would say it was the easiest thing in the world to get people healed during that time period. It was like healing was just in the air, like electricity. But then that eventually died out. And then in the 1970s, the charismatic movement, where some even here may be watching online, that may be your roots, the charismatic movement where the Holy Spirit baptism jumped from the Pentecostal denominations, from the Assemblies of God, from the Church of God in Christ, from the United Pentecostal Church, from the four square denominations, and it jumped out of that denomination, and he, the Holy Ghost, started to baptize people, Baptists, Lutherans, Presbyterians, Roman Catholic, Greek Orthodox, every denomination got affected. But again, there was much abuse and much error because there was little teaching, a lot of experience, but little teaching. And so then, God birthed on the scene in the late 70s, and it continues even till today, the Word of Faith movement, which emphasized the teaching of the Word, teaching, teaching, teaching. And great biblical teachers were raised up during that time, and we're continuing into that. We're actually still in that teaching movement. Because... Here's an important fact that you've got, to get, you've got to get rooted in, you've got to get grounded in, you've got to make this your belief system, okay? Accurate biblical teaching builds a strong foundation to support what we experience supernaturally. When you just have supernatural activity with no teaching, you're going to get people that are going to flake out. Because they're only going to want the experience. I like the goosebumps. I want to feel. I want to feel. I want to have the chills. I want to. There's only one problem with that. It doesn't require any faith. And faith is what pleases God. Yes? Yes? So. There was a gentleman named Smith Wigglesworth. Some of you know who he was. Mighty, mighty, mighty man of God. This is what he said just a few years before he passed on this earth and went to heaven back in the late 40s. In the last days before Jesus returns, there will be a coming together of the Spirit and the Word, and both will produce the great end times harvest. Church, that's where we are now. That's where we are now. Now, you're either going to jump in or get out of the way. I'll say it again. You're either going to jump in or get out of the way because we're going with this. The word and the spirit, that is the foundation of this church 23 years ago. The word and the spirit. The spirit and the word. Because when they join together, there is a supernatural explosion and you know why. 
It's one thing to have a supernatural explosion. Go, I've never seen anything like this. I don't know if this is God, not God. But when it's rooted in the word, for instance, what took place here just a little while ago, okay, was the gifts of the spirit in operation, the gifts of the spirit. We could say it this way, the evidence that the Holy Ghost is real. Amen. Amen. And so the Holy Spirit will speak to someone and say, hey, there's somebody here. They have this condition, that condition. This is going on in their life. That's how many times God confirms that he's real to the person who maybe never experienced that before. But if you don't know that it's founded and grounded and rooted in the word, and it's something that was very, very prominent in the early church, you're going to go, I don't know what this is all about. It's kind of weird. No, no, it's not weird. It's supernatural. Amen? So we need teaching. Amen? So the early apostles understood that the movement that started on the day of Pentecost, they understood that if they did not find a way to get everybody on the same page, believing the same thing and reminding them continuously of what they believed, they would eventually forget it. And we have proof of that because most of the letters that John the apostle wrote he wrote, especially First John, he wrote to correct error that was already coming into the church while he's still on the scene. It was only a few decades later. And he's already having to combat error, heresy, wrong teaching. So if that happened then, here we are 2,000 years later, we've got to know what we believe. And we've got to be able to articulate what we believe. And we've got to be able to continuously remind ourselves by constantly saying what we believe. And so we didn't realize it at the time. Maybe you did. I didn't. That from the time that I was a little boy in the church that I was raised in, we would say what we believed every time we went to Mass. Let me, let me recite it for you. Maybe you'll recognize it. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Come on, you that remember, you can jump in. <laughs> Suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again, ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. You realize how important that was? You realize that if somebody would told us, listen, if you really believe what you're saying, you could get born again. When we confess with our mouth, when we believe in our heart, we receive salvation. Everything you and I needed to know to receive salvation is in the Apostles' Creed. But unfortunately, it became a tradition. It became something we just said. It became something, and if you, you, you might have grown up in a Protestant church, and Protestant church, I know you guys said the same thing. You might have used a couple of different words. Of course, in the Protestant church, you got, you got a little stuck when you had to say the Holy Catholic Church. You thought you were talking about us back then, but it's universal. Catholici, the word Catholic means universal. It is not, it was not associated with the Roman church originally. You getting this? 
So when we consider the fact that most of church history, the majority of the population of the known world was illiterate, then we understand the importance of having a a recitable statement of faith. Why? Because no matter what church you went to in the Roman Empire, no matter whether it was in Spain, if it was in North Africa, if it was in Turkey, if it was in Palestine, Israel, Egypt, everybody was saying they believed the same thing. And that's extremely important. I hope you get that. It contains all the information a person needed to believe in order to be born again. When we declared it in faith, when you declare it in faith, it accomplishes Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The basic statement of faith keeps us God-centered. It is a reminder that our relationship with God is by faith alone. So, what we're going to do over these next few weekends is we're going to pull this apart. We're going to study it line by line, piece by piece, and we're going to get, we're going to, almost like, you know, when you get a, a nice piece of steak and you get that bone, and I don't know about you, but I like the meat near the bone. I don't tell you, no, I don't like bones. Uh, just give me a chicken cutlet. I don't like, no, give me the bones. The bones is where the flavor is. How many know what I'm talking about? The bones, meat on the bone has got flavor. We're going to get in this Apostles' Creed like a good ribeye steak. And just get in there and just, yeah. And by the time we're done in three weeks, we're going we're gonna to know what we believe. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to know what I believe. Hallelujah. Number one, the very first line. Can we get it up on the screen? Ready? One, two, three. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Say it one more time. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You realize that that's based on the very first verse of Scripture in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the next 25 verses describe God creating all things in the heavens and the earth, culminating in his crowning glory, which is mankind. Verse 26, same chapter, Genesis Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them, mankind, have dominion over the fish of the sea. He's a creator that gives his creation dominion. He's a creator that created it and then turned it over to us. That we would have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God was trying to prepare Adam. Because you could be sure that when Adam was created, God walked him through this and told him, you've got dominion over everything that creeps on the earth. Amen? Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The very first sentence 
But we declare, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, created heaven and earth, establishes forever who God is and that he made us. There is no hint of big bang. There is no evidence for evolution. There is no confusion of who we are and why we were created. God is introduced in the highest position of the universe, creator. Everything came from him. Everything originated with him. In fact, Abraham called him El Shaddai. Say that with me. El Shaddai. El Shaddai could be translated the originator, the nourisher, the sustainer of mankind, the beginning of all things, the almighty, all-sufficient, self-sufficient one. Did you catch that? All-sufficient, self-sufficient. Everything originates from him. Everything starts with him. You getting this? So important to know who he is so that we can know who we are. We've been created in his image. His nature is in us. His character should be developing in us. His heart should be our heart. Psalm 95, verse 6 says this, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. He created us. We didn't come from no monkey. We didn't come from some, some single-cell amoeba. We were created intentionally by God Almighty, creator of everything. Amen. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever believe the lies. Amen? Amen? Psalm 100, starting in verse 1. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, O you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. This is a great reminder that we have been created in his image. Yet so many throughout the ages have tried to create God in man's image using man-made philosophies from the time of the Greeks to present-day heresies of humanism. We need to know what we believe. We need to be able to articulate what we believe. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be studying this Apostles' Creed line by line in order for us to establish a short, concise, accurate foundation for the base of our, our faith. Why? Why is this important? Why is this important? Why? Why now, Pastor? Why now study this? Well, because people who do not know their God are very quick to forget who they really are and swallow lie after lie from the enemy. Right now, church... Those of you that are online, those of you that are here present, listen to me closely, please. Right now, we are in a time, the time that we live in right now, we need truth more than ever. We need to have a rock-solid foundation in our lives because we are bombarded with lies every day, at every turn, in every facet of media, every facet of communication and information. We are being bombarded with lies. We are being herded like cattle, like sheep to go in a specific direction. And it is not the direction that's going to lead us to God. Nothing that comes to us from man can be trusted. Okay, well, that's a broad paintbrush you're painting with. I don't think I'm stretching it. You better know the voice of your God. You better know the word of God because that is, gonna, that is coming very quickly to be the only source of truth that you and I have left anymore. We live in a culture that promotes lies and desperately trying to destroy the truth about our God and about our Judeo-Christian 
foundation. Truth is vital to our life. Without a true understanding of who we are, we are left confused, frustrated. Our soul requires truth. Why? Because we've been created by the source of truth. We don't have peace if we don't have truth. Without absolute truth, we're condemned to life upon these shifting sands, constant change, rather than life upon the solid rock. And Jesus made that very clear, that our lives were to be built upon the rock of his word. You remember when he was questioned by Pilate, Jesus told Pilate, told him that he had come as a witness to the truth. Pilate then asked that question that would identify him forever. What is truth? What is truth? Christian theologian Francis Schaeffer went to heaven a couple of decades ago, had this to say. True truth is grounded in the very character and being of God. And knowing the truth brings wholeness, healing, freedom, life, and joy. I don't know anyone who likes to be lied to, not unless you're completely off your rocker. I don't know anybody. I, I, I do not like, I don't like lies. I don't like to be told lies. I don't like, uh, I, I don't know if any of us that does not want transparency. Truth, just truth. Just give me the truth. Just give me, just stop. You think, uh, you know, you want, you want to almost get like this powerful megaphone and tell the world, do you think we're stupid? Don't you think we know the truth? We've been birthed in the spirit by truth himself. Take all your lies and give them to somebody else that want to listen to them. Jesus said this, it's recorded for us in John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. What's going to make you free? Some people love ignorance. Oh, ignorance is bliss. No, ignorance is being set up for the enemy to come and swallow you up. We need truth. We need truth. Why? Because we're constantly in a position to have to make decisions. We need truth. Don't tell me stuff that's going to make me feel good. Tell me the truth. Go to a doctor. He says, everything is fine. Because they don't want to hurt your feelings. No, Doc, tell me the truth so I know what to believe for. Tell me the truth so I know what to change. Tell me the truth so I know what needs to be fixed. Don't tell me what's going to make me feel good. But unfortunately, we live in a society right now. Lie after lie. And if this offends you, I'm sorry. Take it up with God. Take it up with God if this offends you. I am sick and tired of being fed lies. I'm sick and tired of being manipulated. I am sick and tired of having my intelligence insulted by constant lies and lies and lies and lies. I'm sick of it. But if we don't stand up for truth, my God Almighty, our grandchildren are going to pay for it. Amen. Our goal over these next few weeks is to establish our hearts in truth. And the truth is... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did it happen? It's not my business how it happened. If I could figure it out, then he stops God. He stops being God. Let's let him be God. Let's be his creation. 
Why? Why is this important? Why is it important? Is this reason? Our goal will be to maintain a strong foundation. These next few weeks, we're going to spend time establishing our hearts in the truth. And once that's established, our goal will be to maintain a strong foundation. See, it's not enough to hear once. It's not enough to hear once. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Now, faith comes by hearing and hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. See, the very first time it comes in, it's possible, it's po- the very first time the Word of God comes in, it's very possible that it's establishing itself as a seed. And, but if you don't keep hearing, that seed's not going to germinate. That seed's not going to burst forth. That seed's not going to bear fruit. Now, once it bears fruit, what do you got to do? You keep that thing watered. You keep the roots good and fed. You keep the weeds out. You don't let false teaching. You don't let some doctrine from some person that just happened to have enough money to go on television to spread lies. You don't let it affect you. Why? Because it'll erode the roots of the thing that was originally established in your life. Truth is important. Pilate found out that truth is a person, not a theory or a philosophy. That person is Jesus Christ, to be exact. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus wants us all to come into the family of God. I read to you before Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, which Paul spells out very clearly is the way we receive our salvation. If we will confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart, we shall be saved. Well, do I have to hold the no Bible? Do I have to know the entire Bible, Pastor, to go to heaven? No. No. It'd be great. Because what you don't learn here, you're going to learn there. Because what you don't learn here, you're going to learn there. So hang out, relax, watch TV. I'm going to be a student of the Word. So while you guys are in summer school, I'll be traveling from planet to planet in the universe. I'll be, I'll be sitting with Paul and let him explain to me. All the, I'll be sitting with Jesus. Tell me, tell me what happened when, when the water turned into wine. Tell me what happened when Peter with that boat and all them fish. Man, t- just tell me what happened. Let me know how the classes go. So listen. Let's start off in this series probably the most appropriate way we can. If you have never received the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've never prayed such a simple declaration of faith from your heart, like, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that God raised you from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, maybe those of you that are watching online, maybe you've never had the opportunity. Or maybe you're going to share this video with someone that you know. So I speak to those individuals right now online. I speak to the people that are here present. Let's say this prayer together. Let's make this declaration. Let's make this our creed. In this very moment right now. 
Say this with me. Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he came to this earth, died on the cross, paid for my sins, was buried, risen from the dead, resurrected, and is alive right now. So Lord Jesus, I ask you, come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Thank you for making me a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, either as a method of rededicating your life to the Lord, or you prayed it for the first time, if you're watching online, please let us know that you prayed that prayer for the first time. Those of you that are present here, before you leave, please just slip up to the front here. Let one of the people know, hey, I prayed that prayer tonight. I prayed to rededicate my life. I prayed to receive Christ for the very first time. We want to put a Bible in your hands. We want to give you some materials that are going to help you on this journey to establish very strongly and deeply in your heart that which you declared in this prayer. Amen? For those of you that are born again, you know the Lord, but maybe you haven't experienced that next step of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are people up here that will pray with you. You can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and leave this place empowered by the fullness of the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, please come on up. God bless you. Go enjoy the rest of the weekend.